0: Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over. It's time to live.
1: The thing that I love about travel, is just the opportunity to witness each other doing something new or to see a new facet of your partner that's what's exciting the work that i'm stepping into now has a lot to do with empowering women de-stigmatizing their sexuality and that goes for being in a partnership but it also goes for how they embrace sexuality on their own in any type of sexual relationship, it's going to flourish and it's going to be the best if you can be fully and unapologetically yourself. yourself, yourself.
0: Okay, before we jump into this interview, I want to invite you to be considered for my 2019 Traveling Mastermind. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com and fill out the application and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a great Fit. This year we'll be in Boston doing lots of cool things like training with Tom Brady's trainer Alex Guerrero. In the middle of the year, we'll be heading to Monaco doing things like vintage car rides through the French Riviera. And then we're going to wrap the year in Florence, Italy, doing things like truffle hunting and hot air ballooning over Florence. Look, Life is all about fulfillment, and I really try and walk the walk. So if you are looking to be part of our tribe of 28 high-achieving entrepreneurs that are in the six- and seven-figure range, fill out your application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com to be considered. So think of the mastermind as having two parts. The first is the trip itself. And the second part is what goes on over the four days within the mastermind. Our group of 28 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019. And we'll do that through a variety of different exercises, brainstorming activities, breakout sessions, goal setting sessions, you know the drill. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Murgatroyd, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. This episode features Kristen Henke. You can find her on Instagram and elsewhere at Kristen.Henke. All right, this is a get the kids out of earshot alert episode. You have been Warned, ladies and gentlemen, Kristen is a sex positive writer, speaker, educator who is passionate about helping women destigmatize and embrace their sexuality. Here's the deal. When you take that bio and you mix it with my insatiable curiosity, it makes for a quasi racy episode. Look, we're talking about sex. I didn't want to phone this one in and I really wanted to push the boundaries to help people in an area that we're all involved in. And sometimes it's just weird to talk about it. So anything that popped in my mind, I asked her if I felt like I shouldn't ask her. I forced myself to ask her and she was really cool. In fact, I was probably more uncomfortable than she was, which tells you that she's doing exactly what she's supposed to be doing. So I know that this is going to be a departure from my typical show, but let's not forget that sex is a significant part of leading a fulfilling life. So, I caught Kristen while she was eating, working, and playing her way around the world with her husband, Mike. So it's a really, really interesting episode. I think you're going to love it. Be sure to take a screenshot of this episode, share it on the socials, and remember to tag me and, and let us know what you thought. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation I had with Kristen Hankey. Kristen, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, my gosh. So excited to be here.
0: You know, I got to tell you, I I have the need. I don't know why, but I have the need to sing Let's Talk About Sex, Baby. Let's
1: do it. Let's, Let's talk about, about sex, dick, baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, where in the world are you at this moment?
1: I am in Kyoto, Japan right now.
0: Look at you. I mean, I, I have to tell you, I've got a little uh, travel envy going on right here. I mean, well, this is... I know you can't,
1: you can't see me, but I wore a sexy kimono just so that we would feel in the mood for what's about to go down.
0: Oh my God. I mean, we have to open the kimono. I, sorry, I just felt like I needed to I'll flash
1: to it. I'll flash a little bit. I'll do it on Instagram. <laughs> Everybody go check out our stories.
0: <laughs> so, here's what I think we're going to do. I think we're going to first talk a little bit about a background, about okay. your background. And then we're going to talk about really helping people up-level their their sex life. See, I can't even say it. Uplevel their (laughs) sex life to help them have a little bit more fulfillment. And then we're going to wrap with some rapid fire questions. So do I have your permission to go wherever I want to with this?
1: You do. Absolutely. All right. Trust in Uh, you.
0: (laughs) Trust in me. All right. So I think, cool. I think a good place to start would be growing up in Salisbury, North Carolina. And when (laughs) I was a kid that had Salisbury steak, is that where it comes from?
1: that is, I've I've heard that. (laughs) That
0: is so funny. And it's like this weird, like street, like not street meat, mystery meat. That's It is
1: mystery meat and it's covered in gravy like everything else in the South. So yeah, (laughs) it's a magical entree straight from the freezer to your table.
0: (laughs) Right. So what would you say is the best, and what would you say is the worst part about being the oldest of seven living in Salisbury, North Carolina?
1: <laughs> so I have to clear this up so that he doesn't get really upset. I'm the oldest girl of seven, which, mm. you know, some might say still ranks really as the oldest, but I do have an older brother, John. Love you, John. The best thing about growing up in Salisbury, North Carolina is that. It's that kind of small town situation that you would want them to make a hallmark movie of. You just don't want to go back there after like high school, essentially. Um, so just Southern charm, it's small. Everybody knows everybody. Um, you grow up with lots of friends and familial connections. and you know, there's a little bit of whimsy about having people feel like they know you really well. So we enjoy I enjoyed that part. Um, and then I would say that the worst part uh, is also, the best part which is that everybody knows everything about you or at least they think that they do and i think in small towns it can be hard to get out of the comfort zone um you go back home at christmas after, 10 years after you moved away and the same people are in the same restaurants talking about the same things as the last time you saw them
0: it's so freaking every time i have to tell you that even a lot of times people talk about small towns being that way i grew up in new York. And I go back and, you know, I grew up in a blue collar area, and the fireman is still the fireman, the cop is still the cop. Like nothing, nothing has nothing changed. Changes. You know what I mean? It's like
1: Mayberry. You get pulled over, and you're like, "Oh, hey, Vaughn."
0: <laughs> you know what? I tell you what's changed. They're balding and getting fatter. I Like other than that, it's like exactly, it's freakishly the same. It
1: is. though? I will, I will give them a quick prop that Salisbury, North Carolina. I have been hard on them, especially in podcasts, and they must really hate me. But I will say, the last time I was there, there was a yoga studio, which never. Whoa existed before and a juice place, a place to get juice. So applause, applause for
0: Salisbury. Times are a changing. All right. So let's drill down a little bit more. How do you think being homeschooled and living in the small town of Salisbury informed your decision to step into the world of sex? In other words, was it forbidden fruit tastes sweeter sort of thing? Or was it a rebellion thing? Or where did this come from?
1: So that's an amazing question. I think over the course of probably the last decade, it has been all of those things and an evolution of those things. And what I mean by that is that Growing up in a small Southern town, um, I'm not sure the difference between Yankee culture and Southern culture. I'll have to check in with you after I say what I'm about to say. But being in the Bible Belt, as well as homeschooled, my sexual education was a bit wanting uh, growing up. And it was definitely something that had a lot of Mystery at best and shame and hellfire surrounding it at worst. And so you grow up either terrified of it or completely mystified. And you decide at some point that it's either you're never, ever going to have sex or that you're going to bust out at some point and figure out what it's all about. And I chose the latter.
0: Yeah, I would agree with a lot of that only anecdotally. So I'll give you, I'll give you two quick anecdotes. When I came from New York to Atlanta, Georgia, I was blown away by the number of strip clubs and I could not understand how there was this sort of like, bible belty, y Christian-y sort of vibe everywhere, everywhere. It was like really crazy. Like growing up in the North, it's like you're either Catholic or Jewish or yeah. you know, something like that. <laughs> I come here and it's like, have you found Jesus? And I, you know, my, yeah. my favorite line is Forrest Gump's movie. I, know, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. Right. It, was like, it was like that kind of thing. But at the same time, I'm like, wait a minute, everybody's going to strip clubs. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, everybody's going to church. Monday through this Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just didn't this didn't exist and then the flip side of it is when i traveled a bit and we can talk about this as we get into the travel section of the show uh, of the show i went to uh marrakech and um i noticed that there was you know in sort of these muslim sections where they were selling like porn on a street corner, but yet it was this buttoned up sort of environment. And so I guess, I guess every time you suppress one area, it's like a, it's like a, putting a beach ball in the pool, right? Every time you push it down, it pops, it pops right back up somewhere. Yeah. You know, I've been following you and your husband around the world for the last couple of months. How long has it been now? You guys been traveling it, around the world?
1: Almost six now. Oh
0: my God. We're I closing in. I know. Time is flying You're currently in Japan. I want to talk to you about how you met your husband. Let's let's kind of go down that road.
1: For sure. Well, our story is uh, extremely romantic, to put it mildly. Uh, I was responding to a booty call from his best friend from college and met him outside of a bar. I was slightly toasted because it was the day after my 23rd birthday and I was out celebrating with friends and he was the DD. So he was entirely sober. It was exciting.
0: That's how you guys met.
1: That is how we met for the very first time.
0: (laughs) You know, so speaking of how we met, so let's talk about how you and I met. You and I met because you were helping me to execute the Work Hard, Play Hard brand. Yeah. And, you know, so my perception of you is just this, you know, sort of like soul sister in terms of your ability to be detail-oriented and execute on your vision. I mean, you're just really, really good at this stuff. And then one day I see <laughs> sex goddess girl. And I'm like, whoa, 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 this is this is different. What's going on? Can you sort of like take me back to the moment that you made the decision that you wanted to do this and switch gears from what you and I were working on or at least certainly publicly switch gears Yeah, and maybe talk about why you did it.
1: Sure. Well, it's interesting because... You know what they say, especially in the entrepreneurial space about how the thing that you never actually considered as your area of genius or your gift is normally just that. And so for as long as I can remember, especially since I discovered sex, which was a good while back now, all of my friends would come to me to ask me questions about uh, relationships and sex and they wanted advice. And I was like the older sister, especially in the former like church homeschool group. I was like the black sheep who had run outside of the lines and I'd had sex and I had all these worldly experiences and they didn't want anyone to know that they were wondering about it, but they would come to me like hush, hush and be like, hey, we know that you know the deal about this. Will you help the sister out? And so I would like give them advice and try to help make sure that they had very positive experiences and that they had somewhere to go where they could ask these questions, since they couldn't ask them at home without fear of retribution or shaming or generally um, feeling rejected or even disowned in some really extreme circumstances. And that has been a theme um, for my entire adult life. And as I got older, it was I, the gap became. Really clear to me where women from further and further back, generation wise, were coming forward and saying, Hey, like, it's not just the young girls who haven't had a space to talk about this. We never talked about this. And these are women that I would work with or relatives. They would come to me and they would just say, Hey, like, we know that you're very open-minded about this. And we feel from your vibe that you are doing well in this area. So we were just wondering if you would like break it down for us or like give us something. And so it is something that I've always been extremely passionate about. And it was actually... I will say it was your show, partially, that um, brought about the process of me deciding that it was time to step into it. And it's one of your questions that... I look forward to answering at the end, but you ask it of everybody. And it's that if you were to speak on something that you're not known for, but you're extremely passionate about, what would it be? And at the time I was working in strategy and in marketing, but my answer to that would have been sex and sexuality and relationships. And that was like a big aha moment for me. I was like, if I was ever on Rob's show, I would talk about sex if I wasn't doing what I'm doing right now.
0: I love that. The reason why I asked that question is, you know, other than stating the obvious, the reason why I asked that question is we are all so drilled down and dialed into what it is that we're known for, but there's always something lurking. And whenever I ask that question, sometimes I can get people who are willing to let go and willing to say, mountain climbing or sex or something like that. But, you know, it's, sometimes it's difficult because they're, you know, the word I'm searching for identity, their identity yeah. is tied to what they do yeah, and they don't want to, they don't want. That's great. I love that story. Um, okay. We're going to jump into sex together. You ready okay. to have sex? Let's
1: do it. Let's have sex.
0: Let's first talk about what are the misconceptions that most people have about sex in general? big area i know but like just like low low hanging fruit okay. like what hits you
1: <laughs> balls that's low hanging hey, here we go. um number 2 <laughs> <laughs> after balls would be i think it's that men have a higher sex drive than women that's a big one is that men are the ones who want sex all the time and women really aren't that interested and there's a lot involved in making them interested and that it's kind of a chore for guys to like get women to have sex with them um i think that's a big one i think the conception that single people have more sex than married people is, mm. uh, is one that people think, uh, but isn't true. I have single friends and we talk quite a bit and I'm having way more sex than them. So Interesting. Yeah. And I think another one would be, it takes exactly four pumps and some screaming for women to orgasm. That's, that's, not one, true. that's not true. Uh, and then my favorite one. I feel like I can one, name that
0: tune in three and a half.
1: <laughs> you definitely could. <laughs> <laughs> and then my favorite one is that um, women can orgasm just by being plowed, which is also not true. I think only... 30, a very lucky 30% of women can orgasm without any type of clitoral uh, stimulation. So basically everything you've ever seen in a lot of porn and in most movies is a lie.
0: All right, we're going to go into porn now. Let's let's talk garden variety fantasies, right? So... Most guys want to do a three-way with their lady and another lady. Yeah. So I guess the first question is: have you ever stepped into that world? And if yes, looking back, what were your overall takeaways, positive or negative? Because and the reason why I asked this question is because a lot, you know, if guys are willing to be honest, mm-hmm. like really honest, and go, you know, I would love to do this. Most guys are not willing to go there and they're certainly not willing to have this conversation with their wife outside of, you know, let's say just getting all jacked up on, yeah. you know, a couple of glasses <laughs> of wine and they're in the middle of sex and they're like, hey, an
1: baby, baby,
0: all like, call your girlfriend. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's this whole world of this fantasy. And I think, you know, look, all I can do is sort of like talk about these questions through a guy's perspective because it's all I know. But what, what's your thoughts on that?
1: So my thoughts on this are, are these essentially the thing about threesomes are that number one, I think that it's taboo still, it feels a little bit dirty and naughty. I also think that men really want to be trusted and they really want to be adored. And I think the adoration of one woman is great, but what is better than the adoration of two Um, also double the tits and double the ass. So that's who doesn't want that. What normal dude on the planet is not like has not thought about that at some point. The thing that I think is interesting is that we haven't been allowed. And I say we as a society, like women have not been prepared for it and men have not been prepared for it. We haven't been enabled or given the permission to have open and honest conversations about our fantasies without judgment or fear of retribution. And that comes from how we grew up and what we're told is good and what we're told is bad and things that are considered bad or crass, like we are made to feel shame about from a very early age and we carry that with us into adulthood. And so then women aren't prepared to hear that men want something outside of the box and men aren't prepared to open up and share that they would like to switch things up or that they want something different. And so we go on in this holding pattern where we're just having sex with each other and we're not exploring the possibilities or talking about anything wild or erotic and everybody gets bored. So the thing about opening up the conversation is that sometimes that need or that like thrill of a little bit of danger or something a little naughty can often be met in a partnership without actually going through with a threesome. And I don't think that women have been given the space to like process it or think about it that way. And so they just know, I don't want to share my dick with somebody else. Like I'll cut a bitch. That's not going to happen. Also ingrained, competition between women it's like no he's mine i married him he belongs to me i'm not going to share him with anybody so all these things come up for women not to mention that a lot of us have uh, like worthiness issues and if he wants another woman what does that say about me what does that say about my attractiveness what does that say about our relationship um it brings up a lot of insecurity and so i think it's a really hot button topic because it's triggering for a lot of couples to talk about. But I can share from my personal experience, my husband and I have not had a threesome. However, we have discussed it many, many times and continue to. And it's something that is not entirely off the table. It's just something that we haven't actively pursued um, so far. We haven't really felt the need to once we opened up that channel of communication. And what ended up happening was... I learned through asking him about his fantasies that essentially he wanted to experience something different and something highly erotic. And so for him, I was able to meet that need by tying him up and blindfolding him and fucking him silly. That worked for him and continued to work for him for a long time. Recently, we were walking around Amsterdam. It's red light district. We'd you know stopped into some coffee shops. We were feeling great walking around feeling sexy and flirty and i said we should go shopping for a third what do you think and he just looked at me like mouth agape and we just started walking and talking and he knows i mean he's a smart man he knows that's not like the keys to the kingdom but like okay she's entertaining and playing so let's take a walk so we start walking through and we're just kind of playing like what if like what about her what about her and it was really just the being openness and the letting kind of letting it flow like that dark energy that wants to come out after wine like it's flowing and we're having a good time and feeling flirty and like stopped at some windows and looked and that ended up at that time being enough like basically we got super turned on and went home and did a bit of role playing and didn't need a third But the conversation about being open to it and the possibility and what it would look like to bring other elements into our room was hot. And it was a turn on.
0: I love that. You know, I went to a Tony Robbins event and he was talking about uh, light and dark energy. And, you know, sometimes in... Sometimes in a marriage and in a relationship, it could be all light. You know, women, it's, I I think you called it like the Madonna-whore syndrome, right? It's it's somewhere on both ends of the spectrum. So you've got this, you know, light energy where you're a mom, you're, you know, a good wife, et cetera. And, you know, you don't know where to go to the other side. And so sex becomes light. But then you got inside of the guy, you've got the same thing, right? You got light and dark. Obviously, guys are going to be a little bit more on the dark side. So... The willingness, I think, to be open to the conversation like you guys have is is so amazing where you can be in Amsterdam and sometimes... You know, sometimes like, you know, a weird analogy, but sometimes like, you know, I'll get invited to like a great party and sometimes listening to like the music and getting dressed and hanging out and having a drink before I go to the party is better than the actual party. Yeah, for sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the anticipation. Like you get,
1: the anticipation right.
0: is high, you know yeah. I mean. <laughs> so I love that because you can you can sort of like, because look, it is a fantasy, right? I mean, when we boil this down, it's wet tissue touching wet tissue, right? Half of it is just all our freaking head.
1: Exactly. So...
0: <laughs> I love that. I do have like a, a visceral reaction to bondage. Mm-hmm. If, I never, I never fully understood, and I guess that we are just wired in this way. Some people are into it; some people aren't. It feels like if I, I feel <laughs> you gotta laugh, but I feel like if I got tied up, I'd be like, "Let me out." Like I'm, I'm claustrophobic. I got to get out, and I feel like if I got slapped, I would be like, "Why are you hitting me?" Do you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> oh, for so, sure,
0: yeah. But other people are like, "This is amazing." So where do, like, where do these fantasies come from? Like, how does this?
1: I love talking about this, and I again, like, I share what's personal to me because I'm an expert on me, so I feel comfortable doing that. I will back you up just a little bit because this is all connected. So you made the statement. I'm very familiar with Tony's teaching on the dark and the light energy and you made the statement that maybe guys have more of the dark energy than women and that is i think another common misconception um it might be true for for a lot of couples but i know that like in our relationship i'm all dark energy all the time and so i have to learn how to be balanced and how to allow the light to come in for just like sweet intimacy purposes which is also so important to a relationship because i would be like whips and chains all the time if i could pick and leading into like what kind of creates that in people I think it, it's highly personalized. It's based on how you were raised and what your experiences were coming into your own sexually as you became an adult. But I know that the draw to bondage for me is that I, when I'm working and based on my personality, and you can attest to this personally, I am extremely straightforward and I am very good at moving in my masculine energy throughout the day. And I spend a lot of time there during the day. So at nighttime, when my husband or masculine energy comes home, I want to put on a kimono and get tied up and be railed. Like I just, I literally just want to relax and let go of control because it is tiring and because I've had it all day long. And so bondage Mm. is about surrender. It's about being able to trust fully and whatever you've been carrying around and holding all day, you get to put like you get to put it down and now someone else is in charge and you just get to Which enjoy it. Which why
0: I don't like Which it is why you because don't, I don't want to I don't want to surrender. Yeah, I'm a control freak why. as you well know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So that's now I part. know why I don't want to be tied yeah, up.
1: So that's a big part. Now the slapping thing, it's it's pretty funny because I think again and this is Highly, everyone is totally different. Like, my husband does not enjoy being slapped. I've slapped him a few times. It was a surprise. He was not a big fan. I, on the other (laughs) hand, We're like into mental, it.
0: Oh. I just made a mental picture of Mike turning around, going, "What the fuck was that?"
1: Oh no, it's more like we're <laughs> into it and we're dirty talking, and I feel like it's going really well, and I'm getting aggressive, and he seems to be eating it up, and then I give him a good slap across the face, and he's just shocked, and I was like, "Oh, okay, that was too far. Sorry, let's back it up, back it up, back it up. Can I take it back?" It's like, "No, sorry." <laughs> And I'm so like, you funny. can spank me if it'll make up for it. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And he's like, you like it, which is true. So, again, like that's something where it's just, it's sensation. So, I think something else, just speaking to the kink part, pain, again, with the mental, like everything is so mental. Pain is just really strong sensation to the point that your brain tells you that it's hurting you. And so some people have a a stronger or a more broad threshold for it. And so for me, during sex, when all the uh, senses and everything is very heightened, spanking or biting or anything like that is just a really intense sensation that translates to pleasure. And it is extremely arousing.
0: All right. So I see, I see sex kind of like ice cream, right? For the most part, it's all pretty good. But routine maintenance sex can sort of get boring for couples. How do you guys, other than the areas that you mentioned, or maybe a better question is, does it happen where it just gets like boring, where you're not you know, you're not do it. You're it's, it's more like, you know, I want to get off. You want to get off. Let's just, let's just do it. Like how, how do you guys address that as a couple?
1: So for us, it's been, I think it's been extremely fun. I would love for you to have a conversation with Mike sometime just offline. Cause I think you would find it hilarious. Um, but being... by the
0: way, I feel like, I feel like I'm having an affair with you right now. And I feel like I <laughs> Mike's could in not the room, have room. This... So
1: this is like a threesome. Really... But it's like three. My... You guys are like touching tips right now.
0: Tell tell, <laughs> tell Mike that I apologize in advance for everything. And I don't even know why I'm apologizing, but I'm apologizing. Don't apologize. Okay, he ahead. knew
1: it was going to happen. I detailed it out for him. He thought it was
0: hot. <laughs> okay. All right,
1: cool. But no, I am very, so I'm an extremely sexual human being. I always have been that that's another factor in the growing up. Like I got to where I am because I've been insatiably curious my entire life. And the signs and the foreshadowing has always been there. If we like really drill down into it, punfully intended, but I, I, <laughs> I uh am very vocal when I start to feel bored. Mike is too, but he's just he's so gracious and I think he is a typical guy where he like we're being honest, he gets a lot of ass at home and so he doesn't really have a lot to complain about most of the time. Like he's not going to come to me and be like, "Hey, our sex life is kind of stale. Can we like spice it up?" I'm the one who goes to him and I'm like, "Hey, so I don't know if you've noticed, but like for the last month we've had sex at the same time in like the same six positions and I think we really need to do something." And he's like, "Oh, sure. Like what do you what do you have in mind?" Like, "What what do we want to do?" And so it it is something where I just I'm very sensitive to when we get into a rut. And I will bring it up. And it's happened so many times now that I'm kind of like, hey, like over coffee, I'm like, hey, things are, you know, what if we added in something or what if we took out something? Our most recent one, which you'll enjoy, is that I think he actually got tired of me like talking about sex and like thinking through it and planning it and strategizing it so much. And he was like, hey, how about this? Remember when we first met, and we didn't ever talk about when we were going to have sex. It's just we, one of us felt it, and we like went right to it. Like read the room and just like went to it. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, why don't we do that? Where you like walk in, you read the room, you're feeling horny, I seem open to it, you just make a move on me, and I'm like, all right, let's do that. And so for the last. 2 months and we came up with this while traveling because you know when you're fucking all over the world you're kind of like okay like we've went gone through all the stuff like i brought us a comma kind of suture book with us that we didn't even use and it added weight to my backpack so i shipped it home <laughs> but <laughs> i was like we're going to do all these crazy things all around the world and turns out we just did the same things in different beds in different locations and so he brought that up as a, a game for us to play and so for the last 2 months it's been No discussion about it. No Kristen complaining about things not being hot. It's like, walk in. Do you feel hot for me right now? Yes. Grab my dick or hop on it or make some kind of move. And that has been great. That has been working out really well. And it has led to a more spontaneous brand of sex that is that often goes away during the like 9 to 5 plan our lives, who has the car, who's getting the groceries kind of thing.
0: I love it. All right. So now, how has traveling around the world helped your sex life being in these different cultures and strange and new, exciting places? Or has it not? In other words, are you guys... More aroused, more into it because you're on this journey. And by the way, I haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, I, I should have. You guys are on a journey where you're sort of traveling around the world. I mean, like, we are I, I don't going know if all the covering... way around.
1: That's why we're stopping you in are. Hawaii okay. on the way back so that we can say okay, that we cool. went all the way.
0: <laughs> okay. And you uh-huh. definitely went we all did. the way. How long is the journey, by the way? Uh, how long? How long in total are you traveling? Oh, six months total.
1: I was like, I haven't measured it, but if you would like me to, I'll uh, get (laughs) get right back to you with that. (laughs) It's a big one. I know that.
0: How, has traveling around the world increased or decreased or stayed the same? Or you have you guys been freaks before you left and now you still freaks?
1: So we were definitely freaks before we left. Um, but I will say we are a totally normal couple. It has been humdrum. We have had humdrum times. We have been bored out of our brains. We have wanted to scream. We have talked about the possibility of having an open relationship and then been like, no, we actually couldn't ever do that because I would kill someone and it just wouldn't work out. But the conversation has come up. Because you get to that point where you're like, how do we keep doing this over and over and over? And we're human beings. So we took all that and just brought it on the road. But I will say to your earlier question about maintenance, something it's been hotter because we're having all of these new experiences with each other. And we are given the thing that I love about travel and new experiences. You don't even have to go to another part of the world. You can seek this out close to your home. But it's just the opportunity to to witness each other doing something new or to see a new facet of your partner. That's what's exciting because we know that... Like polarity and all of the kind of hot and heavy, sweaty stuff that happens right at the beginning of the relationship. It's it's the danger and it's the invariabilities and it's all the stuff that you don't know. That's what makes it exciting. So that's not great for a long term relationship. But once you build the intimacy, the first thing to go is that kind is that sense of excitement. And so when you add in different. Um, when you change the routine or when you go to a different location or when you get to see each other do something that they've never done before, or you're able to have a new experience together, you get this little boost of like excitement. Like you get this little burst of energy that often translates sexually. And so this has been an awesome experience just because it's, it's causing both of us to evolve the traveling and the learning and some of the things that we've encountered about ourselves and that we've learned about ourselves on this journey has made us fall more in love with each other, has made us feel more attracted to each other. Um, But it also, and this is going to feed in big time to the work hard, play hard situation. We've had so much more time than we have ever had in our relationship For play, where we're not on this crazy schedule where everything is about the next thing that has to be done. And that obviously is incredibly sexy. It's like we can wake up at eight o'clock in the morning and have sex because we don't have to be somewhere by 10 o'clock or we don't have to be in a meeting or whatever. And then if we come home in the afternoon or whatever and we want to have sex at three, we can. And it just, there's so much more flexibility. And we are really trying to like, let this seep into ourselves so that we bring it home with us. Like, There's so much that we're learning on this trip about how to be with each other and how to prioritize environments that keep us feeling excited about life in general and each other. And we're, that's what we're hoping to bring back to Nashville in a couple of weeks here.
0: When are you coming back? How much more do you have out there?
1: We're, we're so, we're so close. We'll be back in
0: Nashville, April 2nd. Oh, wow. It's really, really happening. It and went then we're really gonna, fast. We're going to switch. You come back and then I go for four months. I know.
1: It's this good. is really I exciting.
0: I want to see how I can word this question the right way. Do you think that it's just in quotes sex or do you, do you have a different view of sex? So let me give an example. If Mike had a fantasy and says, Hey, look, you know, um, we've been, you know, you're into this. I'm into this. There's a, uh, there's a new swing and lifestyle club opening in Nashville or is in Nashville and I want to go. Number one, would you go? Number two, if he said, I want to have sex with another woman, would you? I hate to use the word allow, but you know what I mean you'd be <laughs> yeah. down with it, and would you be open to stepping into that world and say, "Hey, look, you know I love Mike mike loves me we're we're good, and this is just sex, or is there some sort of like you know covenant for lack of a better word or protection or bubble where this is like this we're wide open, but just with each other like what t- talk to me about that
1: that's an awesome question i and again, I'm speaking extremely personal about this. So if Mike came to me, you know, and, and said that it's, it would be a, it would be something that, that would need to be explored and communicated on extensively and built upon. So if he said, Hey, I want to go to a sex club. Will you go with me? I would say, of course, if he said, Hey, I want to go to a sex club. And the first time we're there, I want to have sex with somebody else. I'd be like, you know what? I'm not really ready for that, but like, let's, put it on the table and have a conversation about it. And that would be like, what are your needs and how do they need to be met? And is this the only way to meet them? Or are you looking for something that you think this is going to meet, but is actually something that needs to be addressed between us and our relationship? Or is there another way that I might be more comfortable that we could address this? Um, Because for me, so with the, the direct question, is it just sex? For me, it's not. I am a huge fan of all of the sexual things. And I am open to an, to a lot. But I think that because I have been cheated on in the past, I still have some trust wounds that are attached to sex. And Mike is very aware of that. And so while I am extremely open to trying a ton of stuff, bringing in another person would be an incredibly big step For me, as far as physically, if bringing like a real person into our room, that would be quite a step. And so it's not something that I am shut off to. We have talked about it and we are at the point where we kind of check in every like couple years and it's like, hey, is that something that you like need or that you want? Because I'm curious. I ask him about it. I'm like, is this something that you're needing? Is this something you feel like you're missing? like what's going on with that and we just kind of keep tabs on each other like where it is and i could say confidently that if in 10 years like i feel differently on the subject and he's like you know it would really like fulfill me to to branch out in this area i would like to think that i would be open to um making a space for him to have that
0: what a great answer. So here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that the view that I had of your sexual brands, for lack of a better word, is really not confined entirely to couples but seeming it seems to be mostly related to being in an intimate relationship with your significant other. Yeah?
1: Yeah, for the most part I would say that's true, but the the caveat here, if you will, is that The work that I'm stepping into now has a lot to do with empowering women in the area of de-stigmatizing their sexuality and really embracing it. And that goes for being in a partnership, but it also goes for how they embrace sexuality on their own. So for ma- that goes for masturbation, how the, w- the relationship that women have with their own bodies and the control they have over their own pleasure and their ability to find out what works for them and what doesn't like that is transcendent and that belongs in a relationship or in a conscious single situation as well.
0: All right. Now that's you that's a perfect segue into my next question which is about masturbation. Why is it about masturbation? And by the way, this is uh this is uh, we've said 12 words that I've never said in 100 episodes <laughs> so on this proud. podcast. I'm what, what is your Okay, so you did a post the other day on mm-hmm. masturbation or yeah. whenever it was recently. I'm going to ask you a, a Tim Ferriss question and then we're going to, we're going to go into uh, a little bit more behind the scenes. So what is your, here's the Tim Ferriss question. What is your go-to device that you travel with? By the way, I'd love to be TSA opening your luggage, but that's another <laughs> conversation. What's your go-to device that you travel with? And then the second part of the question is, how do you find the privacy? Because I know you're, you're going from Airbnb to Airbnb around the world. You guys are you know together a lot. So where's, where's the privacy for you to you know take this uh, offshore drilling device and make it happen?
1: <laughs> so the first part of the question is, what device do I travel with? I have to say that it's, it's just my hands. Um, I'm worried that any equipment would be lost, that TSA would throw it out. It's not cheap. So that's not something that I wanted to worry about misplacing or having to replace when I got home. Uh, And then when it comes to... Not to mention that I'm great with my hands. What can I say? Okay. But then when it comes to privacy, I think it's more about... In our relationship, it's more about consideration than privacy just because we both know that we both get off with and without each other. And so it's just kind of about like when can we strategically plan that? So I think obviously... For my husband, like maybe it's the easiest to handle that in the shower because all the showers are real small and I'm not in there. And then maybe for me, it's in the bed while he's in the shower or it's in a different room while he's in the shower. So it's just like if he goes to the grocery store without me or if I go to the grocery store without him, it's just kind of like you have these moments and it doesn't take a long time and candles every time. That is nice. But, you know, sometimes it's more about the release than it is the romance.
0: <laughs> you know, I got a, uh, a side note that I think you're going to dig. You know, the uh, the actress, uh, Mandy Moore, she was the first singer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> she was just on Howard Stern and she has a tattoo of sperm on uh, the top of her foot. And Hilarious. <laughs> so Har- Howard goes, what is it? So she was traveling with a band. And there were five of them, and they were all jacking off in the shower, as they do, it, as the, as men do, right? She was like, "I don't want to, ha- like, I don't want to have to get into the shower." They all got drunk one night, and they got sperm tattoos on their feet because they were like <laughs> grossed out. So everybody in that band, including the guys and her, oh my have a God. sperm tattoo, which made me think of that. So
1: that's amazing. <laughs>
0: All right, so we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to move into the art of fulfillment portion of the show and talk about some of the things that you're doing to improve areas that are outside of sex. God, there's so many questions I want to ask you. When you look at periods in your life where you feel like you were in the zone and however you want to define being in the zone, what are some of the daily or weekly practices that you've spotted spotted in terms of, let's say, pattern recognition that when you look back at those sweet spots, when you've been performing really well and feeling really good, are there any particular daily, weekly, or morning habits that you've seen as consistent that you think, you know, people should really try this?
1: Definitely. Uh, One that I am not going to be the first one to cite is... Prioritizing time for yourself at the beginning of the day before you start dealing with anybody else's shit. And that just, it doesn't matter what field of work I was in at the time or what I was doing. If I got up and immediately checked my phone and went to email or went to voicemails or even text messages, the day was lost. It's like you open, it's like you're pumping when you're a kid and you're like trying so hard to like pump up that bike tire. And if you undo the thing too soon, it's like all the air flies out. That's literally how I felt anytime I would like check email or something. Before I had had at least an hour of quiet to myself. And now, based off of all of the wellness trends and all the things we do in the entrepreneur world to stay on top of things, my morning routine has changed a million times over the last five years. But the thing that hasn't changed is me prioritizing an hour for myself to do whatever I feel like I need to do during that time. Whether it's meditation, or journaling, or drinking water, or going for a run, or it could literally be anything. But it's just putting me first and prioritizing my sanity and my like getting grounded before I try to give my energy to other people. That's not hands down like the number one thing
0: you are becoming a worldly gal now not that you weren't to begin with but you are becoming even more worldly because you are traveling around the world if (laughs) this this is really a i'm going to ask this in two questions because i'm going to overload your brain so the first first question is out of all the places that you've been to if you could go back and and spend an extended period of time let's call it three months which of those would you go to and why
1: God, it would be Italy. Um, I didn't go to Italy this time. So I I'd hope that still like counts. But I was there in 2014 when my husband and I... He was just my boyfriend at the time because we're scandalous that way. We were living abroad in France for three months because of a job he had. And we went to Italy and we were only able to be there for 10 days. We went to Rome and Florence and Milan And I had dreamt of going to Italy my entire life and that it was, it was wonderful, but it was the dead of winter and it like did not even begin to scratch the itch that I have for Italian culture. Like when people talk about who they were in another life, I think I was like an Italian mama who just existed on like bread and pasta and wine forever and I just, I desperately want to go. I'm so drawn to it. I'm so drawn to that culture and to the food and to the art and to the history. And I really want to go to the South of Italy and spend a, a good amount of time there. I know you're very familiar with it. And I'm super gel about that. Yeah. But that's, I think that's where I would pick if I had to.
0: Love it. I was actually on the phone with Italy this morning um, for planning the, the uh, Florence Mastermind.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, i super so excited.
0: I could talk to you literally for hours about that. The second part of the question, which is sort of unrelated now that I think about it, is you are, I mean, you're in Kyoto, Japan right now, right? And you live in Nashville. <laughs> How is it going to be for you to go from, I don't want to, I don't want this to come across as insulting to Nashville because Nashville is as <laughs> fine city as any city, but it, but it is not what you have been in. Yeah. How is it feeling for you for this journey coming to an end? And obviously it's, you know, it's, it's, it's never fun to have a vacation quote unquote ends, but how does it feel for you to come back to the culture of Nashville versus the cultures that you've been in?
1: So I think I'll, I'll answer in several segments if that's okay. I think when it comes to returning to the culture there is there is a sense of relief just because as expansive and completely magical as all of these experiences have been it has not been without a comedy of errors and some extreme inconveniences uh especially in the it's the smallest things like mike and i are looking so forward to waking up in a place where you can just walk out of your bedroom into the kitchen and there's a coffee pot and you can make coffee and you can pour it into a normal size cup and you can add the non-dairy creamer of your choice and you can have another cup right after that if you want to without leaving and paying for it and uh, coffee has been a very challenging thing to find on this trip like you can find it but it's expensive we've been in southeast asia for the last three months and it is expensive. They sometimes make it um, not in the way that you're accustomed to, and the sizes vary really dramatically. And so sometimes all you want on a rainy day is like twelve ounces of a latte, and all you can find is like a weird six ounce shooter of something very strong that tastes like motor oil. And you're like, okay, I don't know what what's going on, but this is the last straw. So it's really small things like that that I'm ex- I'm exceptionally excited to get back to some of the comforts of our life before, but at the same time. I have a respectful amount of anxiety about falling back into some poor habits uh, that I had developed right before leaving, which is that I had allowed myself to become so incredibly busy with unimportant things that I did not even know how incredibly unhappy I was until I left.
0: Can you give me an example?
1: I was working in a an environment that was very stressful and that was the field of work that I was in was not fulfilling me personally. And I really enjoyed the people that I was with and the people that I worked with um, client-wise. And so I stayed longer than I should have but I wasn't experiencing joy or personal or even professional fulfillment there anymore. And I hadn't been for a while, but I had just kind of swept it under because that's what you do. You get into this routine and you're like, if I'm not happy, I'm just gonna try a different workout or add some more supplements or like go on a girl's trip or whatever. And you just kind of medicate until the thing that is really rotting you at your core just doesn't seem so bad. Yeah. And I want to be very aware and alert. Um, As I go back into some of the more familiar pieces of our life, I want to take a lot of my Hope my expanded, um, kind of worldview and some, like, I would say reprioritized values back in with me
0: well you've interrupted the pattern so much that that's not gonna happen anymore because now you've linked such pleasure to not being in that environment that you're gonna you're gonna go back and you're gonna it's kind of like you know when I when I left chiropractic this year it's been a couple of months for me like I had to do a phone call yesterday because some some insurance company needed some notes from something six months ago it, it's Kim Kim said to me Rob it's gonna take you five seconds I'm like no don't you're like, make I can't me look do at it. it. Don't make me do it. I okay, know. so let's move into the rapid fire round and you can answer as slowly or as, or as quickly as you like. We're going to change things up for you on the front end of this just a little bit. I'm going to mention a country that you've been to and you're going to give me one word of what you felt, okay? France. Love. Monaco.
1: <laughs> Excess. Spain. Sex.
0: The Netherlands. Weed. Iceland.
1: Ooh, is that a word?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's perfect. Morocco was no. That's good. Ooh was good. Yeah.
1: Okay. Overwhelmed.
0: Hmm. That's a great one. Portugal.
1: Warmth. Thailand. Noise. Indonesia. Sun. Singapore. Wealth.
0: The Philippines. Blue. Australia. <laughs> it's a
1: bad one. Uh, no Wi-Fi, which is surprising.
0: Japan, where you are now. Matcha. What do your friends say is one of your superpowers?
1: Oh, I knew you were going to ask this one, so I literally put it to them directly. And I quote, my feminine power is so primal and dominant that it makes almost any straight woman question their sexual preference, end quote.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. What's one of the things... I like that on a whole different level, though. What's one of the things (laughs) that you're afraid of right now?
1: Failure, which is super normal. I think uh, stepping out into something that I was actually having a, a minor meltdown yesterday. And I looked at my husband and I was like, I'm finally doing the thing in life that I have always wanted to do. And if I fail at this, it's not because I didn't like, it's not because I didn't try it, which sounds counterintuitive, but it's scary. Like, as long as you're doing something that you don't care that much about, when it kind of goes down the shitter, you're like, you know, it's not really the thing that I was into. So like, I just didn't care enough about it. And this is the thing that I care so much about.
0: Which is why you're going to see, succeed in this area. Read uh, read Carol Dweck's book, Mindset um, on, the, on a Growth Mindset. This is something that you need. I uh, just gotta just got a hit from the universe that mindset is going to change your life. What keeps you up at night?
1: I think uh it, it's a lot of it's related to my family. I've always had a very and I think this has a lot to do with birth order, just the fact that I'm the oldest girl and one of the older siblings, and I've always had people to take care of, and I very much see myself as a caretaker. I wonder what my decisions, when they lead to the scale that I know that they will, I want to know. I I wonder how that's going to impact my family. And I want to be sure that it's positive. That I think about that a lot.
0: What's your guilty pleasure?
1: Trashy erotica. (laughs) Shocker. (laughs) Right.
0: What's the one thing that you own and probably should throw out, but you never will?
1: Uh, My DVDs. we don't even have a DVD player, Rob. And I have like a box set of How I Met Your Mother DVDs and I won't get rid of them.
0: (laughs) That is really funny. Um, I was going to ask you the TED Talk question, but you've already answered that. So we're going to move into the last question, which is we're going to change it up a little bit and you're going to ask me what one question would you like to ask me?
1: I wanted to ask you how you have you it feels like from what I know you have done such a great job of prioritizing your marriage and really keeping you and Kim are such an awesome team you really complement each other and like Friday dates is awesome and like your just your vibe as a couple is so incredible and I feel like Mike and I are extremely independent individuals which makes us I mean it's incredible and I think we have a great partnership but we're only 5 years in and so I think I'm wondering like how do you pull more into the team bucket when both of you seem like very capable independent individuals, like what is it that you guys do? Do you have a practice that makes you sync up more and that makes you address things together as opposed to separately, if that makes sense?
0: Yeah, it's the most asked question we get. So I would say I put it into three buckets. The first one is we did uh Tony Robbins relationship series um with him, um, which was game changing. I don't know if we'd still be married had we not done that. The second thing is um one of the things that he teaches within that series is by a guy named Gottman. Are you familiar with uh, Gottman's work? Geo- so. You should definitely read some of his books, G-O-T-T-M-A-N. He is a researcher who can predict within 99%, and he's been doing it for the last 40 years, within five minutes, he can tell whether or not your marriage is going to end in divorce.
1: Yeah. Yeah no no, i have heard of him is this the guy who's like contempt is the poison that like rips people apart yes there you go the four horsemen so we we
0: live by the four horsemen strategy and this is really freaking weird and a side note but boarding the plane two days ago from my mastermind in boston back to atlanta he was checking in him and his wife were checking in next to us and (laughs) i just booked him for the podcast which is crazy I'll send you a picture. Yes, it's weird.
1: I feel extremely privileged to be on the same podcast. See, as see. Guy.
0: What? The last thing is lane. We choose our lane. So we mm. decide this is the thing. We, whenever something new comes up where we're like, okay, who's going to do that? Like, okay, I'll give you a great example. Um, in chiropractic, Kim worked in my office. So we had to have many, many fights about this is my area, this is my area, who's doing this, who's doing that. Once we decided who was doing the checkbook, who was doing the insurance, whatever it was, the other person has to stay the fuck out of it. Not, don't talk about it, don't get in it, that is your area and I am literally only here to be counsel if you need me, but this is your area. So we clearly define roles for example now we're moving into a new world which is the yeah. world of having a mastermind yeah. <laughs> so we're redoing everything and so we're yeah. identifying you know Kim said to me with the mastermind she said look my job with the mastermind is I'm your assistant so I want I don't like this is not my thing this is your thing but I am here to assist you so it was very 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 clear what she's doing in the mastermind. I make all the decisions about what speaker I'm booking, what restaurants we're going to, what the experiences are, all of that. And she says, okay, I'm here and there's no resentment. So having clearly defined roles avoids the creative differences fight. So that's how I would answer that one. Yeah, that is gold. (laughs) Do you have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? Uh,
1: Suggestions, I think, are just be curious, and not judgmental. I think you have to be open and we weren't taught like our sexual education did not equip us for an adventurous, fulfilling sex life um, on our own or with a partner. And so I think sometimes we judge things even in private that we're afraid of or that are unfamiliar or that have had a negative connotation in the past. And That's as much a mindset and programming issue as so many of the other things that you talk about in performance with people when they're wanting to get to the next level. And it's going back and really examining your beliefs around why you feel the way you feel about stuff and deciding if that is still true for you and if that's fair and if it still works for you. And I think in a relationship, I mean, with yourself as well, but in any type of sexual relationship... It's going to flourish and it's going to be the best if you can be fully and unapologetically yourself. And that requires grace and patience and listening and an open mind um, from the other person. And that's just something that you want to think about as a partner. And that's something that you want to create for your present or future partner. As far as an ask, I think... I don't want a lot, Rob. I think I want people, if they are looking for practical, no-nonsense, pretty unfiltered advice on ways to re-examine their sex life and their sexuality, feel free to check out my Instagram. Um, I do a fair bit of sex-positive writing. Um, I recently have allowed some of that to go out into the world and I plan to keep doing that. So I really just want to be a resource and support for people. I want to be a safe space for them to examine and explore their sexuality more. And so just connect with me if you feel like you need a little bit more in this area and you need somewhere safe to go, Like I'm here for you.
0: Love it. You know, I have to tell you, you are one of the most articulate, warm, kind people that I know. So I am super grateful that you're in my life. And I I just want to say that, you know, it took a lot of balls. You have a lot of balls, you know? Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. You really do. You have a lot of balls because you stepped into... Your zona genius. You could have easily, and maybe you are—I don't know—could have easily you, your 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 willingness to be vulnerable with this area online could be met with a lot of uh, snickers or you know judgment, and and maybe it has already. But just your willingness to go there to help people, and your willingness to go there because this is an area that you know that you're good at and can help people. And your, your willingness to say, hey, honey, I'm going to leave my job and we're going to work remotely and we're going to travel the world and we're going to do something amazing before we settle down and you know, have some kids. And maybe even when we have some kids, we'll continue the show. I don't know. But the word that keeps coming up for me is guts, balls. Um, and I'm so proud of you because I interview a lot of people that are super successful. But to me you represent the most successful because you're living the life that you want to be living. So there you have it.
1: Thank you my friend. I appreciate those words so much and they mean so much coming from you, you know. You know how I feel about you, but I, I just do. respect you. I respect you so much and I respect everything that you on your own but that you and Kim are building together and I wanna shout out my husband as well. Cause I mean, I am I for all of your kind words, I am a challenging human being to grow next to. And he just does it with so much grace and so much humor. And I wouldn't be as ballsy, I don't think, about this in the way that I am. I wouldn't be able to do it in the way that I do it if he wasn't so open and so willing to be there and serve in this with me. Like he has zero qualms about me putting our sex life all over the internet and the podcast world for everyone to hear and that everybody wouldn't be cool with that. And so his just unwavering support of me and everything is the reason why our relationship is as good as it is. So I want to make sure he gets his too.
0: It says a lot about who he is. That shit ain't easy. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh,
1: Thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate
0: you. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.